Welcome, baseball family. This week we have Gold Glove finalists, the Culture Club Hall of Fame ballot, and checking in on the League Championship Series. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brad, and I have my co-pilot on my left side here. Brig, how are you this evening, Brig? I am razzle and dazzled. <laughs> razzle and dazzled. Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm very excited. There's a lot to talk about this week. Like, it's been pretty slow as far as news goes, but there was quite a bit that came down over the last week. We wanted to save it for tonight, and so we'll get to that after... We talk about sports betting because sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and we want to connect you with an opportunity to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time to sign up than now. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash baseball, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region and in your state along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits, because they're all just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through through the Baseball Together link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always get the best available odds for your picks, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the show, you can sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash baseball. As always, there's a link down in the description, just like there's always money in the banana stand. Yeah, every okay. time. <laughs> every time, Brick. It's always there. That's right. All right. Let's start with this. Let's start with Gold Glove Awards because the finalists have been announced. Yes. There were some snubs. There were some surprises. Yeah. But before we do that, Brig is going to tell us a little bit about what it takes to become a Gold Glove finalist. So Gold Glove awards are defensive superiority awards. It's the easiest way to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. And it is sponsored by Rawlings and endorsed by Major League Baseball. It's a partnership between the two organizations. And what happens is Rawlings actually takes the glove of the ball player and they dip it or spray it in gold, right, in gold paint, mm-hmm. and then they mount it on a like a plaque, block of like wood, kind of like yeah. a plaque, yeah. And then and then it goes on. A, it's a shelf piece, is what it is from that year. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a great tradition. It's gone back a really long time. But let's one thing talk that about... is one thing that is funny about it though is that they talked about on Dan Patrick about how you would you would think that it would be like something. A little more solid but he's like it doesn't weigh anything it's just like a piece of wood with the glove and it's yeah. like you could go down <laughs> you could make your own gold glove by going right. down to home home depot and getting some spray paint <laughs> and spraying your glove <laughs> then you got a gold glove just That's like right. they have. It's fun. It, it is definitely a symbol like a symbolic piece that you know obviously means a whole lot because then you get the the gold glove patch the wrongs gold patch on your glove for the rest of I think for the rest of your career or the, or the next year, something like that. Anyway, you get that patch on your glove the next year at, at the very least that shows that you're a gold glove winner. But yeah, but yeah, it is funny that the, that the award itself is, I don't want to say cheap, but relatively speaking compared to what some of like the silver sluggers, what they get. Yeah. It's a little yeah, bit not, it, it, there's not quite as much that goes into it anyway. Sorry. Go I ahead. agree. 
No, no, no. It's okay. Um, it, it it began in 1957. So that's when Rawlings created the Gold Glove Award and that they use it to commemorate the best fielding. And they break it down by each position. And they break that down by each league. So there will be an American League first base winner and there will be a National League first base winner. And that's how it kind of goes. This year, and pretty pretty typically, there are three finalists in each category. And we're going to go into all of that. But we're going to get first, we're going to start by explaining who gets voted or how they get eligible and things like that. So let's start with pitchers. All pitchers, in order to earn a chance at, at winning the Gold Glove Award, all pitchers must have pitched in at least 138 innings by his team's 138th game. So that's kind of easy to remember. 138 innings by the 138th game. That's for pitchers. If you're a catcher, you must have played in at least half of the team's games by his team's 138th game. So out of so you have to have played in 69 games minimum and that puts you uh, before the team's 138th yeah, game. I say specifically before the 138th game. Like you can't just play in 69 games for the entire season. It has to be by 138. Right. Yes, exactly. So infielders and outfield outfielders break down differently. They must have played in the field for at least 698 total innings through the team's thir- 138th game. Oh, real quick, Greg. 138th yep. uh, game, 138 this year was the first week the first full week in september oh nice just for that's good to know point of reference so uh, just a reminder infielders and outfielders must have played 698 innings total through the team's 138th game this equates and i'm reading directly from rawlings right now this equates to playing in the field for approximately seven and a half innings per game in approximately 67 percent of the team's games by the time you reach 138 that they argue that this ensures that only full-time players are considered. And that's one of the standout details. And we'll get into some more of this in a minute, but that's one of the standout details is that you have to be a consistent player and then a consistent performer defensively in order to even qualify for selection. Okay, so that's interesting. Your- it's interesting that, that, that they break it down that, that way because 698 total innings is only 56% of the possible um, 1,242. Right. So you could miss almost half the season and still, and actually still be so qualified for it. So right. guys who come in a little late and things like that can still qualify or somebody who gets even called up. Right. Exactly. So say that your right fielder replaces your starting right fielder in May and or even June, I think, and plays every day, is outstanding on defense, qualifies for that yeah. that award. That's a good point. And now remember, these are minimum performance qualifications. This mm-hmm. is just what it requires how much field time, how much game time it require it is there is required to even qualify. Now The final bullet I'm going to read off from Rawlings is really interesting because it says that all infielders and outfielders with at least 698 total innings played qualify at that specific position 
where he played the most innings. So where his manager utilized him most. Now, put a pin in that because some guys move around and we're going to talk about utility players in just a moment. But this is just for traditional position players. We read off the pitchers and catchers, but everybody else is under that 698 Mm -hmm. window. Okay, That's the selection qualification criteria, the minimum qualification. Now, let's talk about the statistics. The statistical analysis for reaching, uh, for making it into becoming a finalist. Wow, I don't know why that was hard to say. (laughs) The the way they sort guys who are of minimum qualification is a Sabre metric. And this accounts for 25% of the selection. So Sabre uses their defensive index, which is their trademark SDI is what they call it. That's the acronym for the Sabre Defensive Index Statistic. And according to Sabre, it's a measure of the number of runs saved by a player's defensive performance over the course of a season compared to the average defensive player at that position. So that offers some fluctuation year to year, which some could argue muddies the water. Others could argue is, you know, it kind of like allows you to ride the wave of the times Mm -hmm. because baseball does change and evolve and performance is always moving forward in certain ways. So I like that personally. Okay. Real quick, Greg. Yeah, you're talking ahead. about Saber. So, for those of you who don't know what Saber is, Saber is the Society for American Baseball Research. Saber is S A B R, all caps is how that is, and and they are like the standard for baseball st- statistics and using them for measuring things like defensive efficiency and things like that. If yep. for those, like I said, anybody who doesn't know, anyway, Perf- go ahead. no, I'm glad you said that. They're also the group responsible for things like F WAR. And, you know, these different... Well, F4, I think I think they were the ones who originally came up with war. F4 is fan graphs and B war is, is oh, baseball right. references because baseball reference because they each have their own formula for how they calculate war. But yeah. I think Sabre initially came up with the war statistic, like the that's initial right. complicated formula to calculate is, that. I it wish is it was convoluted. More, a little yeah, easier yeah. to do. It is not. No, it's not. But you're right. War... That is them. They and they're responsible for a bunch of these, you know, more in-depth statistics. So, so Sabers SDI combines measures from six different categories, um, six different defensive data sources, and that includes factors that rate the defender's arm strength, accuracy, range, sure-handedness, like bobbling the balls and things like that, along with the number of quote excellent and quote poor fielding plays that the player makes again i'm just reading right off of the of of their thing i don't (laughs) want to mess this up the sdi also incorporates a rating for a player's ability to turn double plays specifically if you're a second baseman or a shortstop fielding a bunt which primarily will affect pitchers catchers third and first baseman and scoops of throws in the dirt for first baseman so now you can see how we're getting real picky about who qualifies under what circumstances and which data points are required to become a finalist. For It goes on. It says, for catchers, blocking balls in the dirt and or stolen bases slash caught stealing 
successes, they're also included. For pitchers, the SDI includes his ability to hold runners on base and control the running game. So that's all from Rawlings. This is their this is their game. This is their award. The the things they've um, decided qualify you, okay, to become mm-hmm. a finalist. Honestly, now r- that's stats. Just to go back, that's twenty five percent of the selection. Now voting accounts for the other seventy five percent of the selection, and this is where I think it's really cool because now you're getting into meritocracy from both sides. You're seeing okay. Here's the minimum threshold. And then in order to become a finalist and even be on the, the, the roster or the ballot that goes out to the people voting, you have to meet these standards. And then the final standard is the group standard. So voting is done by 30 Major League Baseball managers, one from each team, and up to six coaches per team. Okay. Only the manager and the six coaches from each team vote. That is a total of seven votes per team. Each person has to sign the completed ballot in order to be for it to be considered valid. Managers and coaches are not allowed to vote for their own players, and they can only vote for players in their league. So if you're an American League manager, you can only vote for American League ball players. The National League gets the same. Voting also absolutely must be um, sealed, right? It, it has to be, it's like top secret baseball stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're <laughs> yeah. not allowed to, there's no collusion is what they're saying. Nobody's allowed to see. The voting, the, the voting ballot, the list of eligible players who make it all the way to the voting round, if you want to think about it that way, um, the, the ballot is in alphabetical order. So it's, it doesn't matter what team you play for. They don't sort it based on, any sort of franchise affiliation. It's an alphabetical order and it just runs down by position. Everybody who's, who's, you know, eligible. So mm-hmm. the, the interesting, we're going to get into the gold glove finalists for 2023 right now, but 2022 marked an absolutely like watershed moment, not only in this award, but in baseball in general, with the formal recognition of utility players. Rawlings and Major League Baseball decided that they would award a gold glove to utility players. This goes all the way back to, I mean, you can go back as far as you want for guys who play all over the place Mm -hmm. and who are capable of all, you know, like defensive superiority at, so DJ LeMahieu won it in the American League last year. And he plays, uh, all over the infield except shortstop. He plays first, second, yeah. and third. And the dude, the dude's amazing. He also, um, except for the second half of last year and the first half of this year, is very, very capable at the plate as well. But that's not the point of Gold Gloves. Um, but anyway, 2022 was the first year they started awarding utility. Um, a, a Gold Glove for utility, player. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so DJ LeMay, he was the first one and I'm going to get you the, uh, national. Let's just, let's just go into the finalists, Brig. Let's talk about the finalists. So the 2023 finalists for this year, we have in the American league and at first base, we got Nathaniel Lowe, Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Rizzo second base, Mauricio Dubon, which fascinates me that he was actually primarily at second base. I know Altuve was out, but anyway, Andres Gomez. And Marcus Simeon, third base, Alex Bregman, Matt Chapman, 
Jose Ramirez, shortstop Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Anthony Volpe. Left huh. field, Austin Hayes, Stephen Kwan, Dalton Varsho. Fascinating that Varsho is on that list. Correct. Center field, Kevin Kiermeyer, Luis Robert Jr., and Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> and then right field, Adolis Garcia, Kyle Tucker, and Alex Verdugo. Catcher, we'll get here in just a minute, Brig. Jonah Heim, Alejandro Kirk, and Adley Rutschman. Pitchers, you got Jose Barrios, um, Sonny Gray. I almost read that Sony. Anyway, Sonny Gray, <laughs> Pablo Lopez, and utility Mauricio Dubon. I don't know how you can be on there twice. And Zach McKinstry, McKinstry and Taylor Walls. That's your all your American League. Before we move on to the National League, anybody you think got snubbed there, Brig? Where's Aaron Judge? He might. Did he play enough? Did he miss too much time with the toe injury? Yeah, he might have. Yeah, you're right. The toe injury. That, so that's a good. That's a good point. My big one, Brig, hmm. is the catcher position. Yeah, I don't me. know why Cal Raleigh is not on there. Right. While you're going through stuff earlier, I was looking. And this is the thing that's crazy. Alejandro Kirk is on there, I feel like, instead of him. And I don't think Kirk has any reason to be there. He played yeah, I don't, that one doesn't three, make almost 300 innings fewer mm -hmm. than Cal Raleigh did at the catcher position. Whoa. And Raleigh threw out 26% of runners trying to steal on him, whereas Kirk only threw out 18%. Raleigh had uh, allowed 78 stolen bases, caught 27 Kirk uh, allowed 68 and only caught 15. And then um, their errors. Cal had more errors, but he's also in more, right? He mm -hmm. played a lot more innings, but his his fielding percentage, Cal's fielding, fielding percentage was 991. Kirk's was 993. I don't think that's a big enough difference, given everything else, for Kirk to be in there over Cal Raleigh. Now, do I think Cal Raleigh would have gotten it? No, because the league is going to give it to Adley Rutschman. They are right because he's yes. the favorite American League catcher right now. Yeah, so they're going to sure. give him the award, and the other two are just there. Jonah Heim, as I sit here looking at this, absolutely deserves to be in there. A hundred percent, one hundred percent. But he's yes. not going to win it because it's going to go to Adley Rutschman because it is somewhat of a popularity contest because that, it counts for voting. Yeah, so I'm anyway. really surprised Anthony Rizzo is on here with the two months of concussion play that was mm. not very good. <laughs> Right. So I'm, that's a really interesting one that jumped out to me. Yeah. And I'm surprised that Gino Suarez for the Mariners was not on there for third base. Mm. Um, I'm not going to dig into the stats for him, but he he went along. He he was up there with like Nick Castellanos, whereas like guys who haven't committed an error yet, you know, qualified guys. Are, like he was on that yeah. list for a really yeah. long time. And at third base, that's really, really hard. Yeah, you're right. So let me do let me do the National League really quick. Go for it. First base, Freddie Freeman, Carlos Santana, Christian Walker. Second base, Nico Horner, Ha-Seong Kim, and Bryson Stott. Third base, Cabrian Hayes, Ryan McMahon, and Austin Riley. Let's see. Shortstop, Francisco Lindor, Dansby Swanson, Ezekiel Tovar. Left field, Ian Happ, David Peralta, Eddie Rosario. Center field, Brenton Doyle, Michael Harris II, Alec Thomas. Right field, Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Lane Thomas. Catcher, Patrick Bailey, Gabriel Moreno, JT Realmuto. Pitchers, Jesus Luzardo, Taiwan Walker, and Zach Wheeler. Utility, 
would be Mookie Betts, Tommy Edmond, and Ha Song Kim. What what do you think about like who we I mean every let's just say it Nolan Arenado got snubbed right because they should just name the award after him they um, really should he went yeah he's won and, one every year since forever <laughs> <laughs> and he's been the platinum Glover every year forever too yeah. so yeah, yeah. like I don't I don't know I know Kibber Ryan Hayes missed some time this year, but I, I can't imagine he was better than Nolan Arenado. I know he's good. He's really good. Yeah, A lot of people are sure. saying he's he's coming up and could possibly supplant Nolan Arenado as the next guy. So I, if it's not him, I don't know, Ryan McMahon. He plays a Rocky, so I never saw him, right? Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how any of those guys replace him, but maybe he had a down year for once in his life. We, we'd have to dig into it and see. Um, yeah. I'm surprised that I, I think that the postseason has given the world a really good look at Gabby Moreno in Arizona at the catcher position, because mm-hmm. even I was mostly like un- unfamiliar with how good he was. I was aware of him, mm-hmm. right. but I was unfamiliar with how, just how really good he is. So I'm glad to see him on this list and it should wake mm-hmm. people up a little bit. Yeah. The other shocking one is that Nick Castellanos is not on the right field. Yeah, one because he he didn't commit an error, and maybe he's not there because he doesn't have the range, right? Like Mookie Betts is, and certainly Fernando Tatis are getting to balls that Castellanos is not going to. Sure. And yeah. As a result, they're not necessarily fielding them cleanly. They're not. They're more likely to commit an error, maybe because they're getting to more balls. Their I guess their range factor is bigger yeah. than Castellanos, right? And so mm-hmm. maybe that's why he never committed an error because he never. I don't want to say. Maybe he didn't challenge those balls, those difficult balls that could have been sure. Well, doesn't error, right? So hmm. I don't. I, it is shocking though to see a guy who didn't commit an error all season long to not be on this list. You know what? I I have to say this just because it's um, just because I have to say it, but I'm really glad. I'm really glad Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton is not anywhere near this list. <laughs> I would lose all faith in, in the so award. many things. <laughs> not just the, that would extend way beyond the Rawlings Gold Glove Award. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, and honestly, I I don't think he would qualify because he spent most of his season playing DH, didn't he? He spent most of his season whining. So you well. know he's. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, apparently he's a terrific person and is a really great and a fantastic guy. teammate. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I, I'm speaking in jest, but All right. he doesn't play left field very well. No, no, he, he's not the best outfield. This is the thing. He has a cannon for an arm once he gets a hold of the ball, but Back. he does not have the range of most guys. So 100. Let's move on and talk about the Culture Club, Brig. The Culture Club, also known as the Contemporary Era Committee has announced their Hall of Fame ballot. Um, but before we get into the ballot, let's talk about who the Contemporary Era Committee is. Um, it's a group, or as they refer to themselves, a quorum, that meets every three years to vote in former van- managers, executives, and umpires from the year 1980 to the present. This is different than the committee that meets every three years to vote in players from 1980 to the present. And then the other committee... For the classical base, the classic baseball era committee, uh, and they are everything before 1980. So, three different committees. Each one meets three years. They just that way we get a 
different Hall of Fame group every single year. Now, this year's Culture Club ballot includes four managers, two executives, and two umpires. Um, so the list is just Cito Gaston. He's a manager. Davey Johnson is a manager. Jim Leland is a manager. Lou Pinello is a manager. Hank Peters is an executive. Bill White was an executive. Joe West, the cowboy, the umpire. And cowboy Ed Montag Joe. was also an umpire. Um, before we get it, before I ask you the next question, though, Brig, it, I think it's fascinating. I was looking at Lou Pinella's career, yeah, as like a manager and player and stuff like that. I had no idea that when he was with the Yankees, he was named the hitting coach as a player because he was so good at hitting. I didn't know that either. Seriously, for reals, that's that is a real thing that happened. <laughs> 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 yeah, I saw that and that about blew my mind. I couldn't believe that that That's, was something that had actually happened. So I thought crazy. that was super cool. And and it makes sense why his his Mariner teams were so good offensively, aside yeah. from you know having Griffey, Edgar, Buner, you know, those totally. guys. But yeah. anyway. So of that group, I don't think that there's any specific limitation as to who can get in, like how many they can either. vote in. Of those eight, who do you think gets in? Uh, I like Leland. I, mm-hmm. I, I like Leland, but I might be a familiarity thing there because right. Like I've watched him. He literally managed my entire life so far. You know, like, yeah. He, yeah. No kidding. He retired at 68 years old in 2013 and he started <laughs> the year I was born or whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool um but he i mean his his overall win percentage is above 500 that's super respectable Mm -hmm. um he has a world series and he has a couple of pennants um i don't i don't know 22 years is a long time it's respectable for sure uh i think we would have to see I would like to know more about what goes into what they look for a minimum requirement for managers. That's the thing. I don't, I don't know. Right. That's what makes it tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I guess that's why we have the culture club. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for me, like I have Lou Pinella getting in, but I'm obviously super biased. Right. Yeah. But but I think everything that he's done, like he took a team that was mired mired in mediocrity for what, 15 years at that point, finally got them over the hump and into the playoffs. He has a World Series championship in 1990 and almost Mm -hmm. 2000 career wins. Um, I I absolutely think Lou Pinella gets in. Um, I think. I think Gaston gets in. He's got two World Series champions championships. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, Joe West umpired for 43 years. That yeah. blows my mind. Just now he is mind. the longest, he's the longest tenured umpire in Major League Baseball history, right? Like he, yeah. he managed more games than anybody in Major League Baseball history, which is yeah. bananas. Which is, which is funny because it's like I'm I'm sure that's where the attitude came from, right? A, a big yeah. part of it was just like, no, sir, and by sir I mean son. I umpired yeah. your grandfather, so you go sit <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so <laughs> your great grandfather, in fact. So I I think he gets in just out of respect for longevity. 
I think so too. And the, I mean, and this is the thing, like everybody had their issues. Everybody has their issues with umpires, but the fact that Nelson Cruz took his phone up to the plate with him at the all-star game to get a picture with Joe West before he retired, I think goes to show just how much respect the players actually have for the guy. Yeah. And how good he was at his job for having been around for four plus decades. Right. So I, I I think he will get in. Um, And I don't know enough about the executives. I don't know enough about, um, about Hank Peters and uh, who was the other guy on there? Oh, Bill White. Yeah, I don't know enough about Here's, those guys. Let me say one last thing about Joe West. Joe West. So this is the part of the the Hall of Fame that I really do view as a museum. Mm-hmm. Is things like this because you can't tell the story of Major League Baseball over the last little while without he has to be there. Like he just has yeah, to yeah. be there. Mm-hmm. And there you go. He, I mean, he set the record at 5,376 games. I don't know how many he he umpired beyond that, but he, he, he finished with 5,460. There you go. Six World Series crews, three All Star games, 10 League Championship Series, eight LDSs, League Division Series, and four wild card games. And that's incredible. That's what you can't, you can't, if we're looking at the Hall of Fame as a museum, you can't tell the story of the recent baseball without talking about Joe West. Yeah. Especially even if it, even if it's like, oh, I hated that guy or wow, he had the quickest hook, you know, and he would toss Mm -hmm. anybody or whatever we want to say. It's still part of the narrative. Yeah, it is. You're absolutely right. All right. So I think out of that group, we agree on, Probably Jim Leland, Lou Pinella. I don't know. I think Lou Pinella, and I think I think Joe West. I think those yeah. are the guys who get in. I agree with those. All right, let's move on. Okay, the Giants have get, have gotten permission from the Padres to interview Bob Melvin for their managerial opening. What? Fascinating. What? If you're the Giants. Do you give Bob Melvin, who managed the Mariners after they set the record for the most wins in the American League or in Major League Baseball history, right? Right, yeah. But could not get the team back to the playoffs. Managed the A's, put together on a shoestring budget, got them to the playoffs. Right. Managed the Padres the last two years, who... Um, I'd say after the season they put together in 2022, probably overachieved, but this year grossly underachieved. Yes. Do you want this guy as your manager? No. Poor K. Why? Parsica, I <laughs> think. Uh, hold on. Now I'm th- now I'm rethinking my logic. Okay. So- Okay, go ahead. Hold on. So he was in a clubhouse full of of hot shots, especially in 2022. If he moves to San Francisco, he's not going to have a bunch of showboating hot shots, and that might be the culture he's best suited to lead. So I maybe I'm going to change my answer and say, yeah, he's probably a good guy for the job. 
That's that's my thing is I think he is because um, I don't think he's good at managing egos. Um, there you go. Because he got he got to Seattle in twenty twenty three. Okay, so Lou Pinello was the guy, in, or sorry, in two thousand three. Lou Pinello was still the guy in two thousand two. Um, they won ninety. That Mariners team in ninety in two thousand three still won ninety three games. Then they fell off a cliff the next year, and they only won sixty three. And yeah. Melvin was not around after that season. Okay, and there were a lot of egos in that clubhouse after the two thousand one season. Yeah, carried over in two thousand two, carried over in two thousand three. Couldn't mm. manage the egos. Lasted two seasons. Oakland, there were like none, right? Because they couldn't afford Correct. to pay for, or they not that they couldn't afford. They weren't willing to pay for egos. Yes. Oakland. Then you get to San Diego and could not manage a clubhouse full of egos. Couldn't keep it in check. So I think he would do a really good job in San Francisco. I yeah, because they they don't have a bunch of egos in that clubhouse yet. That I can tell at least. Right. right? Like yeah, I, a couple years ago I when they were really so. good, it seemed like they were just playing good team, good clean team baseball. And yeah. they've kind of gotten humbled the last two years. I think he could go and get them back to the playoffs. I don't hate this. I don't hate this for them. And I but think he would I think he'd take it too because he's wanting to get out of San Diego. Yeah. That and that leaves the question: what would San Diego do? Because that clubhouse is not going to... I don't think they'll hire a Liz Nacken. No. Gabe Kapler. Ah, you think so? Just do yeah. a swap? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Interesting. And, you know who we've yeah. not heard from is Mad Dog Madden. Mm, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he could. He's kind of been off the radar for a while. Yeah. Show Walter's leaving in the New York side of town, so... There are open guys. There are guys available. There are, there are guys who could go. There's yeah, it'd be really interesting. Available. Yeah. Okay. And somebody who's got to manage egos is like the big thing. The big thing yeah. there is the egos. Okay. Yeah. But speaking of the Padres, they're considering moving Xander Bogarts off of the shortstop position and putting him over on the other side of the infield at second base, which is what you do with an aging shortstop. Right, Brig? You do. Right. So this is something that Padres and Bogarts had talked about when they signed him, but they weren't sure when it was going to happen. Like it's going to happen in three years, five years, ten years. We don't know. Eventually right. it'll happen. And he seemed to be okay with it because he signed with them. Right? Correct. Yes. Um, this move comes as he finished 18th among all Major League Baseball shortstops in defensive rating. Not, a position, not a position you want to be compromising defensively out. No. Um, and we saw that Hassan Kim has been nominated for two gold gloves this year. And he could be the one to take the shortstop position. Do you think this is a good move or a bad move, Brig, for the Padres? Supported. 100%. Two thumbs way up. Yeah. They moved one guy away from shortstop, and it seems to work. Seems to be working out for him and for them. I think they Correct. moved another guy off, and I think it could be it could be a really good move for them. And... Uh, really improving defensively and if he's more comfortable on defense he'll be better offensively which is crazy because he was great offensively this year totally yeah that there was would a be... spell where he was the only guy in a padres uniform who could hit the ball that's ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep all right so we talked about gabe kapler just a bit we mentioned him right <laughs> but he might not be able to go to san diego because he could potentially be in the red sox front office 
<laughs> I thought this was crazy. This, this, go ahead, tell him. The Red Sox interviewed him for their head of baseball ops position, which is, um, I believe, what they call their GM, right? Because they don't technically have a GM. They call him something else. They call him the head mm-hmm. of baseball operations. Um, but the, the thing that's that. crazy is that he also, like, this wouldn't be his first time in a front office, and this wouldn't be his first time with the Red Sox. He spent four years in the Dodgers front office from 2014 to 2017 as their farm director. Would that make him a farmer, Brig? Correct. Yeah, baseball okay. farmer. Right. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Um, and he played for the Red Sox from 2003 to 2006, so he, had, he won a World Series with them in 2004, so he's got good history with them during that time. It's true. So my question for you, though, Brig, is it good for a guy like Kapler to be behind the scenes like this, or does he deserve more camera time? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Like, okay. uh, should he be like where the cameras can see him more? Yeah, it helps the yeah. audience apparently. Yeah. Right? It helps the audience. Yeah, everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. Okay, is he the best guy in the dugout? I don't know. I don't think so. So far, I don't. Yeah, it hasn't appeared to be yet. Um, yeah. Um, Will a guy like him be able to handle a, a role that's not front and center? That's the real question for me. Will he be satisfied? Yeah, that's, that's an inter- that's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know if he would be. Maybe. I, yeah, I, I think he wouldn't have interviewed for it if he didn't think he would be okay with it. Because I, there I, are right. he he knows there are managerial positions opening up and he or that there was yeah. some open. He knows there's gonna be more opening up. Yeah. And a lot of teams need a bench coach, so that's correct. I don't know; it's going to be interesting. But I, th- I did see that the Red Sox have found people to interview. Mm-hmm. They've interviewed several other people, including um, Cubs assistant GM Craig Breslow, the Twins GM Thad Levine, um, Cleveland's special assistant Neil Huntington, and then three internal candidates. But this is the one that was most fascinating to me: was former Marlins GM Kim N elected not to interview for the spot. Which I th- I thought like because she opted out of her contract with the Marlins, yes, and I was like she's going to Boston, guaranteed. Right. right. She didn't even interview. Didn't want to interview. Turned it down. Didn't want to. Maybe for the same reasons we talked about a couple weeks ago. Could be that she wants or, a little more secure. Oh, or maybe she has. Maybe she she's got to already have an in. My thing is either Kim has an in on some opportunity that we had we all don't know about yet or she is fed up with baseball now i doubt it's the latter right and i bet it's the former but um for you to give up your position and you know walk away without some kind of parachute i can't see why somebody in her position would do that without one of those two things being true yeah the other thing is i wonder if she's headed for Major League Baseball offices. See, that would be an opportunity we don't know about. That would fit my former right. example, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. That's cool. That's really cool. And I Super don't for just to satisfy this this idea. I don't think I can see her, you know, heading off to uh, Nippon or KBO or any of those. Right? Other... No, 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 no. no. She's going to stick with me. If she stays in baseball, she's going to stay with Major League Baseball. That's right. That's right. Exactly. All right, last thing we have before we take a quick break. Alex Rodriguez said he's bothered that the Yankees haven't retired his number. 
Yes. My big takeaway from this, Brig, is that it doesn't seem like he's gained the self-awareness that we thought he had during retirement, that he's just still the same old A-Rod. <laughs> yeah. Like, does somebody need to spell it out for him? So, yeah. I don't think he would listen. I don't, I don't know. It's just like, dude, it's because you tested positive for steroids twice and caused a bunch of problems. Yes. It's not just about your play on the field. It's not. It's not. Remember that time you made it all about him during the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, and even man. if that was his agent, he I'm sure he had to sign off on it. Right. Now, so. he is uh, one of the most, maybe even the most successful Yankees to ever wear the number 13. Yeah. Right. The only other one I can think of is like Jim Laritz be the only other Yankee that wore 13. Right, but, but A-Rod was way better than him. Way better, and that guy was never even an all-star. So, yeah. But he was a long-tenured guy that wore the number, and A-Rod's way better. So um, does he have a grievance? I don't know if I would say it's that intense. Does he understand the writing on the wall? No. <laughs> No, Are we waiting not. for somebody else to come and be given number 13 who can be great? Yeah, we tried it with Joey Gallo. That exploded in our face because there's something absolutely rotten going on there. And he left and had success elsewhere. So did everybody else. But the point is now I'm okay. Now I'm done. Now I'm, <laughs> I gotta stop. All right. But anyway, that's perfect. Don't we'll retire his number. Don't yeah. do it. All right, we'll end on that. And then we'll tell you about Versus Game. We're always asking what you think about topics we bring up on the show. Now you have a quick and easy way to share your thoughts with us. We've partnered with Versus Game to bring you games where you can make money and win prizes from participating in polls, trivia, and predictions. If you're on the winning side of a poll, trivia, or get a trivia question right, or a poll, whatever, or prediction, I am trying to read, but it's not working, you can actually win real money and prizes. That's what I'm trying to get to, Brig. Money and yeah. prizes. Play for free right. or buy ticket bundle bundles to win more money and more prizes faster. You can play against other listeners and versus game users. So head over to btpod.onversus.com on your mobile browser to sign up and play our polls and trivia games. That's btpod.onversus.com to sign up and play versus game with us. We'll take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the League Championship Series. Welcome back, baseball family. Thanks for taking a quick break with us and being here when we got back. That really means a lot to us. Let me just go ahead and say it is playoff baseball. It is very exciting, and we're here to recap what has gone on since we spoke on Thursday. So the ALCS is where we're going to begin. The Rangers are playing the Astros. For those of you who have not come out of the closet, that's a bench warmers reference. Go watch it. Astros lead the series three to two. The home team has not won a game yet in the series. <laughs> That's so, crazy. It is crazy, especially since the last time that this happened, off the top of my head, Brig, Houston ended up losing the series, and it happened to be the World Series against yep. the Washington Nationals in 2019. Correct. I don't know. Yes. I can, Off the top of my head, like I said, I can't remember it happening any other time, but this Houston team, granted, most of them are not the same guys, but some of them are. Yes, it has happened before, in the words of Lou Brown. 
<laughs> as happened before. Lou Brown, let us know, baseball family. If you know who Lou Brown is, drop it in the comments. All right. <laughs> Game five was on Friday night, and it was wild. As Brad said last week, it was wicked, wicked wild. So uh, let's recap some of it. Adolis Garcia gave the Rangers a 4-2 lead in the sixth and was very excited about it. <laughs> That's a very he stood there and was very excited about it for a really long time. And he should uh, have been, he should yeah. have been, Brig. Yeah, that was a huge home run, probably the biggest in his career. And it was at home, mm -hmm. and that crowd went berserk, rightly yep. so. And he, I don't think he took more than what. A half a step till it cleared the fence. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, part of it was he waited. You know, he, he was admiring his work, which ooh, he should. He waited because it was a bomb. It was an absolute bomb. There was no doubt about it. And yeah. I thought he earned it. Absolutely yeah. earned it. Being able to slam his bat down because we've seen it before. It's yeah. not the first time that's happened. That's right. But. So then he got up again in the eighth and was hit by a pitch from Brian Abreu. Uh, who, by the way, has? Oh, we'll tell you this. Yeah, you've got. Yeah, we'll get we'll get go. there. But Garcia uh, took exception with it. Of course he did, and um, he felt it seemed intentional. The taking a taking a ball. I thought seemed, it seemed intentional. I did too. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like he's, yeah, yeah. Those are those yeah. unwritten rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If baseball family, if you don't know what the unwritten rules of baseball are, we have a video on it. You can search for it, and we'll let you know what that means. Okay. Um, then the bench is cleared. It was very quick. Uh, if I remember right, Garcia turned around and took a beef with the catcher immediately. He was yeah, he said something to Maldonado because I think he assumed that Maldonado called for called it for because it. they kind of yeah. – for some reason, I feel like Maldonado like is – He's kind of like, was it Brian McCann who used to talk to guys? It was Brian they, McCann, yeah. Yeah, and I think Maldonado's kind of taken that <laughs> that mantle on himself that he is the guy who has to enforce the unwritten rules as a guy crosses the plate, which it's like, who, yeah. go hunt and play, man. Who cares? Yeah, like McCann was really big on that, for sure, yeah, and his time. whole career. But it's, it's, yeah. yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Ray you was suspended for two games. It is under appeal and will likely, I heard, be enforced next season. I have a question yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, because the appeal is going to go through the postseason. But Abreu Garcia and then Dusty Baker ended up getting ejected. Dusty Baker, <laughs> it was funny. When Abreu got tossed, he came out of the, did you see come out of the dugout? Just an emphatic <laughs> WTF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all knew what he said. <laughs> you don't have to be John Boy to read those lips. Yeah. That was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, man. That's awesome. But Mike, but as I was going through this, though, like, Frig, I want to know if you were, it, it was Garcia wrong to be upset about, like, was he wrong to turn to Maldonado and, and like get things started? Or should he just have gone and taken his base? Uh, well, I think that's two questions, right? So are you asking me, did, so okay, should, should shot. he, so that, that I'm not going to, that's, that's not even okay, a question. Right? He's absolutely right about that. that. Yeah. 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 If, and then he comes if, back. If pimping your shot is being wrong, I don't want to be right, Brig. Yeah. No, was he wrong to bring it up to Maldonado after he got hit by a pitch or should he just have gone to take um, the base? 
Um, I yeah, I think he was wrong. I think he could have handled that differently. Certainly, yeah. Like my yeah. thing, my thing was like, dude, it's the postseason. Take your base. They're giving you a free base. Yeah, in one of the most meaningful games of your career. Totally. If it's July, pick a fight. I don't care. Oh, that's right. August, September, even pick a fight. Who yep. cares? But dude, in the yep. postseason, you've got to have the mindset to be like, I'm getting on base in the postseason, and we're just gonna go pile it on these fellas, and, and we're gonna run them right out of our stadium. Yeah, right. That's gotta be the mentality. You cannot clear the benches, and then Maldonado after the game said he woke up the Astros. You don't want to do that. You don't. <laughs> That's the biggest problem for me. I don't like the picking a fight thing, sticking up for yourself. Whatever, like you said, this, there are better times to do it, but there are really, really bad times to anger your opponent and potentially light a fire. That's the real problem, especially a team that has that much postseason experience when you have none. <laughs> yeah, none. Correct. Yeah, come on now. I agree yeah. with you. Um, Astros got two on with two out in the ninth after this. Jose Altuve hit another clutch homer to put the Astros up five to four. That did it. And there was a lot of dialogue around uh, the way Jose Altuve homered and just went into his trot, came back Mm -hmm. across the plate and was done. And I felt like that was as big a statement as pimping his shot for Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, this is the thing is like, Garcia was showing emotion. I'm absolutely for that. But if a guy like Altuve just wants to treat it like another day at the office, I'm fine with that too. I don't right. care because yeah. for him, he's like for a guy like Altuve, the job is not done until they've won their fourth game in the World Series. That's yeah. his objective. Yeah. Right. Garcia's never been here before, so he doesn't have to act like he's been there before. It's true. Not saying Altuve does, but I'm saying that that's his objective. Yeah. But no, game my, six. The, well, hold on. I have one more. I have one more thing I want to yeah. talk about. This is Leclerc in the ninth. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the Astros, I texted you about this too. The Astros brought in a pinch hitter to pitch, pinch it in the nine hole. Dude's batting mm-hmm. a buck 52, and Leclerc was super cute with him, would not attack yeah. him at yeah. all, and ended up walking him. And with two outs, like if he'd just come after him, game would have been over, I think. But instead, I he was so. really cute trying to paint the edges and uh, not attacking this pinch hitter in the nine hole. And yeah. uh, end up getting Altuve, and I knew it. I knew it as soon as oh, he's yeah. coming up. I think it's it because that's what he does. Yeah. Here's my question for you: the suspension is under appeal, and it's uh-huh. going to go through the postseason, like you said. But yeah, why is Major League Baseball not quicker on the trigger and decision making when it comes to stuff like this? Because I would think, right, as a guy who really enjoys causality. <laughs> like yeah. you messed up. Here's mm-hmm. the consequence. We don't get to, you know, hold off because it's inconvenient or whatever. I think that upping the, upping the, you know, moving the two game suspension forward really into this take current care of, situation yeah. would would snub or would nip all this in the bud. And that's the thing that I have an issue with too is that you're not really punishing the guy if he's missing two games at the beginning of the season next year, right? Not at all. Like, make him and his team feel the effects of what happened. Because you could go out there and you could you could be Jordan Alvarez and just pick a fight with everybody. They're like, well, that's a five-game suspension, but because he's appealing, it probably won't happen until next year. It's like, right. the Astros would have felt that effect if it was a five-game suspension. Oh, yeah. Right? For sure. Sweep it under the rug, and, though. 
and this is the thing too is that like this is one thing that the NBA gets a lot of things right, and this is one of the things they get right is that people get upset about Draymond Green wasn't in the finals, so the Cavs ended up winning. It's like, well, if Draymond Green hadn't been an idiot, he'd have been right. in the finals. Yes, you know, if Brian Abreu hadn't gone and hit a guy, whether it's intentional or not, he'd be pitching in the World Series or in the NLC or the ALCS, whichever, right? Yeah. Like you've got to make the guy feel the punishment for what he's done. You can't just be like, ah, we'll do it next year. That's fine. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's that's the problem I have with it. But right now the Rangers are up three to one. Uh Jonah Heim homered. With a two so, run. Two run homer. Yeah. yeah. Baseball family, the National League Championship Series has also been crazy. It's the D backs and the Phillies. The Phillies lead the series three to two right now. The D-backs won game four on Friday. It was a six to five victory. They overcame a five to one deficit in order to do that. And they tied the game in the eighth with an Alec Thomas two-run homer. And then they took the lead with Gabby Moreno singled. And then that drove in Cattell Marte. And it was the first, I think it's the third walk-off in all of Diamondbacks postseason history. Well, so the that was not the walk-off. The walk-off was game three. Well, that was when Marte actually Oh, hit Marte, the you're right, that, you're right, yeah, right. That, that yeah, was yeah, the third yeah. walk-off, yeah. Oh, that's right. And then Man, one, of the other two, one of the other two was the Luis Gonzalez one. Right. In the World Series. Yes. So. I'll, still one of my darkest days, but we're not going to talk about that. One of my brightest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think I've told you this, Brig. I think I've told you this before. I will never forget where I was standing when I watched that game because I had to run upstairs to get something from my, from my parents' room, turn the yeah. TV on real quick so I wouldn't miss anything. And so I watched it standing with hands on the the old box TV. Box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Watching that go down. Anyway, so they clawed their way back. They've been dubbed the Arizona Answerbacks, in case you haven't heard that yet. It's great. And then um, – and it was just a really exciting game. So much fun. Saturday's game five was honestly all Phillies. No questions about it. Um, there was a Schwar bomb and Harper stole home and Harper hit a homer and brother Harper's the champion of all the world. He, he is the <laughs> national league champion. <laughs> he's just, he's just in charge of everything, man. Like, that dude, I, I heard somebody, I saw a sign that wanted Harper for governor. I was like, yeah, he'd probably win that too. And he's, <laughs> you know in, what I mean? in Pennsylvania, probably. Yeah, at least the east side of the state. Right. He could be yeah. the mayor of Philly, though, for sure. Yeah, certainly. That would be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. But, Brig, I'm curious. So, that play where he stole home, yeah. right? He kind of plowed through Gabby Moreno and, yeah. and, he did check on him and people I did see something somebody said Harper going straight to looting the body. <laughs> <laughs> he did check like touch where his pockets would be. <laughs> yeah. He was checking to make sure he's okay. But yeah. and he and signaled so it, to the dugout very quickly. Yeah. yeah, it was clearly unintentional. But I'm curious, do you think he should have been out for plowing through Moreno at the plate? Given the rule, then there's a strong case for. Okay. I don't think so. I don't even think there's a strong case for it. I think that the umpire got it right because a lot of people are like, oh, he should be out. He plowed it through him. It was intentional. First off, was not intentional. Second right. off, Moreno put him. Well, the the throw did. It wasn't the throw Moreno. put Moreno 
in that's the way. exactly right you're right and and that's the thing is but the thing that's funny about that i will never forget my first game playing travel ball a kid threw the ball home and the throw put me in harm's way and brig i have never flown so high off the ground in my entire life and had such a hard time. Like I didn't play football, but man, I took a football hit. It was on the yeah. ground, could not breathe. We all got up. <laughs> My coach comes out, gets us up to the pitcher's mound, and he looks at me. He's like, "You okay?" <sighs> yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And he looks at the shortstop. He goes, "You got to get that throw on the plate right in front of the plate. You're gonna kill Brad." <laughs> <laughs> I was playing a year up, so not only did I get mowed over, I got mowed over by a kid who was a pubescent kid who was two years older than me and three times my size. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've I, seen that happen know, before. It sucks, but at, at the same time, that kid I who think, mowed me over did nothing wrong, and I don't think Harper did anything wrong here. It's just incidental contact. Yeah, I, you're probably right. Um, I, I still think, though, that Harper didn't do enough to get out of the way. It all happened time really, to. It all happened really fast, but I, I just, and maybe it's just wishing he had tried to get out of the way. Maybe that's all I'm saying. I don't know, but this is, I, I, and maybe it's because I'm so worried about Gabby Moreno having already had a concussion problem. And so I'm feeling really tense about it. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's probably why I'm like, yeah, maybe there's something we should look at, but. Yeah. I don't know. Because, and this is the thing, this is always the argument that I make in the NFL too, when they're like, oh, the defender didn't do what he could to not have helmet to helmet contact, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's like yeah. these guys are moving so fast, especially Harper with how fast he is. Yeah. That physically, and by that I mean, I should say physically, I don't know if that's a <laughs> word. You have to use it. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to lot of physics. Yeah, there you I go. don't think he could have done anything to get out of the way. It's, it's because very Moreno likely. leaned into the running lane, his running lane so fast, like yeah. last second that I don't think it he was. could have done anything, yeah. you know, to to prevent it. Yeah, but, I'm glad you challenged me on that because I, you know, thinking back on it in this moment without all the emotion, I think you're probably right. Probably uh, got a call, got the call right. But the, the thing is, though, does it suck? Absolutely, it sucks. You hate it to see sucks. like that. No, yeah, it's terrible. Again, after. Like you said, having gotten a concussion already in the last yeah. month. So well, just a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that Milwaukee? You know, it was like that's not right. That yeah, long it was Milwaukee, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That still feels like forever ago. It does. It yes. <laughs> but uh, but the D backs didn't score until the seventh inning of that game. That was an Alex Alec Thomas again with a solo yeah. shot. That dude's been doing everything for the D backs. Like hey, really did you see it. that that clip of him scoring from first the other night? Totally. Dude, where they flying. showed it from the, the base cams like i would love to be able to run that fast i was telling my friend well, i was like it's like i bet it's so fun to run when you're that fast <laughs> yeah well and his like the corners he takes when he rounded that third baseline uh-huh. coming in from second to third it was, tight. It, was the, it was so tight mm-hmm. i was like what he didn't even move out of the camera frame yeah like, he just it's crazy. Cut that corner like a sports car, man. I was like, yo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said, I was like, if I was as fast as Alec Thomas, I would run to the grocery store. Like, yeah. <laughs> like legit. I wouldn't take my car anywhere. I'd run everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> then Real Muto hit a two-run homer to put the game well out of uh, reach for the D-backs. He gave it straight to the Phillies. 
final game was six to one, uh, or the final score rather was six to one. Game five, game six. What is happening? <laughs> Sorry, baseball family. Game six is uh, Monday at five p.m. That will have been last night at five p.m. By the time you guys are listening to this, so yep. there you go. Yeah, I think I think we'll put up some kind of update though. I think we should put. Up oh some yeah, kind if of you're following us on Instagram, I got the scores going all the time. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Briggs got that taken care of. It, it's interesting to me though that six to one feels so much more out of reach than five to one. Like five runs is so much bigger than four. Yeah, it so, it really is. But, no, I, I but I don't think the D backs are out of it though. I know I that the Phillies have, you know, supposedly the big the biggest home field advantage in baseball, and you know, I don't think I that's wrong be, either. I might be wrong at this very moment while somebody's listening to this on Tuesday morning because the Phillies closed it out, right? But with the D backs, yeah. with the way that they've played, the way that they fight and scratch and claw, I don't feel like they're really out of it. So I don't either. And if the if the series point. is over by Tuesday morning when this comes out, then I I hope that you know that that next game game six was uh was a nail biter, was was really hard fought. I sure hope so. Yep. Yeah. I don't want another ten to nothing game in Philly. No. No way. No chance. But baseball family, thank you so much for joining us as we recap the League Championship Series and go through some of these current events. Um, like I said, there was a lot going on, so we, we kind of took our time with it. We hope that you uh, found it informative and learned a thing or two. Um, if you want to support the show, the easiest way to do it is over on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and search Baseball Together, or you can also hit the link down in the description because there's always a link in the description, like we say. Um and we have five tiers of support there, $1, $5, $10, $15, and a whopping $500. Uh, everybody gets the bullpen cut, the unedited version of the podcast. Everybody gets the uh, a sticker as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but go see what the perks and whatever else everybody gets. Uh, there's something specific with Brig and the $500 <laughs> Legends tier. You should go check it out and see what Brig will do for you <laughs> if you join that $500 a month tier. Um, but baseball family don't forget to like subscribe rate and review let us know what you think about what we're doing where you can subscribe on youtube hit the like button as well because that helps the show more than you know and we will catch you on thursday night live to preview the world series <laughs>